Art Next Door Prepared by Tuche Elal Art Next Door features the independent art scene in Neukölln and Berlin. Free scenes Community-based art Socially engaged artistic practice Artist-led project spaces Collectives Emerging and young artists. News and interviews will be broadcast in Art Next Door on Keith FM. This is the third episode of Art Next Door. Here today we are with the Institute for Animatic Research here. Uh, in our conversation, uh, we will be talking with Lorenzo Sandova, uh, who is the initiator of Tier. And uh, we will be talking with Moni Lola, Ola Yeni, Iu Peju. So before we talk the details of upcoming projects of uh, Moni Lola, um, first I would like to ask Lorenzo the uh, little history uh, of TIER. So, uh, yeah, TIER was initiated in 2015 and it was started in my kitchen. And so uh, they, there was one important thing about the, the whole project uh, that it was in the relationship, like how to do like an art project in a home, like taking the powers of the domesticity as a basis and for rethinking or reimagining uh, the possibilities of uh, institutional making and institutional becoming. And uh, at the time for me that was important also that like it was happening at home. Uh, because like, I was uh, starting to think a lot like how uh, like the housing structure it was very much changed uh, by the practices of Airbnb and but also Uber and all this like kind of like what's so broadly was called like uh, shared economies. So it was like more than before like a process of uh, extracting value for the time and the space uh, in the private sphere as in a way like it didn't happen in that way before. But of course, it connects with uh, all the history of uh, reproductive labor and productive forces like Silvia uh, Federici like, uh, talks very sharply about. So basically at the beginning, it, yeah, I had to also uh, do something in my kitchen and I had from a previous project like a lot of food, which uh, actually like the structure is here by the way. Uh, from that kitchen, so I, I built uh, this kitchen structure, like thinking already uh, with Matthias for this idea of habitable structure, and uh, in this structure I started to host encounters. So I would invite uh, people, it was uh, about uh, being, um, was about concentration as well, a concentration in the sense like it was like a very small space, like 15 square meters only, so people were like very much uh, close to each other, so we were like concentrated in that sense, so like through, through that proximity like uh, some sense of intimacy was appearing already and also like, the idea of concentration, it was in the sense uh, that we would uh, present the work to someone and we, we keep attention on the work uh, for this like between two or five hours that the encounter could last and that part was for me very important because normally when you go to, to openings uh, that's most of the time when you would do exhibitions actually, you wouldn't spend time with the work or with the people talking. So in that way it was like a certain amount of time that we spent together on this. They was creating this platform for thinking together the work of someone, no? The basis it was very 
very simple. So I would invite someone to present something. Some people would just use like a PowerPoint. Uh, some other people would install artworks as well. And some other people would uh, perform. That. So I had that running for a couple of years, three years. And at the same time, I, I got invited to do a few collaborations with uh, district, with um, Nottingham Contemporary as well. Like uh, also I work um, community libraries in Madrid and few other projects. And after a while, like uh, I started to think like to uh, make it grow a little bit. So then it's when I met uh, Benjamin Bush, and then I proposed him to join to the project. Uh, after I saw his work and I met him a few times, and I really like uh, his way of thinking, and I was reading some of his texts and so on. So, uh, then actually, like he found the open call for this space in 2018. So we applied, and after one month we got it. So it was a very, <laughs> uh, yeah, very quick uh, process. And actually, like, uh, like I think it's important to mention. Like the whole project started as well, like as a failure, basically, because I, I did like a proposal for like a directorial position uh, in, in a European city, and I passed to the second round, but then I was not selected. So basically, I had like a whole project written, uh, one of these many projects we all have, like, and and then I thought, okay, I don't have the money, I don't have the means, but uh, I'm gonna do it in this way with. Like keeping everything to the minimum, so like trying to think about sustainability and so on, like also like thinking with reproduction and so on. So for example, like I decided not to do uh, documentation of the events, so only with the phone, so there is no good pictures of the time, and I was uh, also like recording everything, all the conversations and so on. But I never, I decided not to do anything uh, with that because it's very difficult to translate what was happening there to to an audio uh, podcast or something like that. Yeah, like the devices, it was like uh, like these questions related to domesticity, and it was through the idea of the endotic. So, like the endotic is kind of the core center of the project, and the endotic is like a word coined by a French writer Jospor, who belonged to Oblipo. It was like this experimental literature workshop, and the endotic based um, on like two or three lines, like describes the words. So it's actually a I think very fertile words and it's not much use, and synthetic means the opposite, the antonym of the exotic. So uh, that word kind of serves as the basis to reimagining uh, possible timelines of institution making. So like if we think how institutions or like much, much more the dynamics that they are made with institutions and collections that are based on, the, or they start many times with the Bundeskammer, the Kuyo cabinet, uh, like we can see like all the history of, of collections and museums, they are based on principles of colonial extraction. Uh, so like to this idea of the logic as the another basis, uh, we put uh, reimagining like another uh, or many other possible histories like to what it's close. So like to like I also like very much this idea of like uh, next door uh, like, uh, with the project because also that's one thing like I'm really interested like how you can actually like take the like apparatus of the institution and use it like for understanding what you have around as well. For example, like one thing we did in the in this kitchen project, it was uh, uh, Michelle Letelier, who is a Chilean artist, and we were working there. And she's working a lot uh, with uh, copper. So, for example, it was in, um, interesting to understand like the extraction uh, processes that happen with copper and copper it in each wall. Yeah, it's uh, apparatus we have, it's one, no? 
to access something as present and as close as copper, like you can understand like this like long chains of exploitation that affects like so many landscapes in the other side of the world, you know. And yeah, so basically like the Nordic allows us like, to initiate a series of uh, lines of work to, to explore the everyday life. And then if here by chance, like well not by chance because we have a lot of interest also in the when I started the project was in the kitchen, no? So of course and it was always like at seven or six seven so so there was always food as part of the events. And here the, I mean thinking about the domestic and so on, like we work with a lot of people who has uh, have the practice it's uh, food uh, it's also present. Actually with the lights, something we decided it's not to have uh, lights in the ceiling. So we, we work with these kind of uh, lamps which are made with uh, rest from other projects. And uh, we're very conscious about the, it's not the best light for pictures, <laughs> uh, but it's like we always try to create this uh, feeling of being in a living room instead of uh, just an exhibition. Yeah, so, so that's also important like for to create something that is uh, closer to a home than to, to a gallery. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, yeah, we, we within the, the space. So for example, in the last exhibition, it was Dula Collective. Uh, they were specifically working about uh, where they are from each. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it was very nice to see like, how they work. They produce like, a series of candies like, with different tastes uh, based on the species. They are at the different tastes. Actually, it was taste like home. Uh, the different tastes on the places. So they have these like, four different candies that they were super good. So you could eat here and navigate. If they produce like a super beautiful installation that it was has some feeling of uh, something cartographic when you're looking to a map from the top. And then there was all these little islands uh, uh, that they had the candies that they were super good. And it's funny because first they were thinking uh, to do uh, something inspired uh, by Paris Constantinopoulos, this like fire of candies. But then they uh, finally they decided to go this other direction. It was like a really beautiful uh, place. Uh, I think they were good and the candidates were so good. <laughs> when we were talking about this institutional structure, and um, I was also asking the same question to Alfa when we were talking about it. Um, because if you are a long term project space, there might be a possibility to have more institutional structure eventually. Mm -hmm. And then do you think that TIER might go through such kind of an institutional, inst institutionalization in the future? Mm -hmm. Or if you feel that this is going beyond what you were expecting, mm -hmm. would you just uh, stop or just change your structure? Yeah, like at the beginning actually, how I would uh, describe TIER, always it was like a fictional institution because it didn't have like any bureaucratic structure, but now we are an institution since, or uh, institutional becoming since we are non-profit actually, so bureaucratically uh, we are non-profit. Uh, but I prefer this idea of the fiction actually and keep it even we have this uh, real bureaucratic structure. Uh, I like, uh, I prefer like, to work with this like uh, fictional diagram of working also because I mean here it's uh, this apparatus, institutional device, but also it's an art project. Yeah, like the way like we develop the project actually it's like uh, for example with this space we always call it still like uh, habitable sculpture so like for example like since we opened here in 2018 like all we uh, when we invite we were doing exhibitions that's a new thing but we were doing here 
uh, it, its uh, interventions, workshops and encounters. So the encounters keep being more or less what we were doing in the kitchen. Uh, workshops, uh, we do them mainly like to things related to, to the body, like yoga uh, with, uh, with lean or uh, queer voices with calling self or things related to the body. Uh, and uh, the other part we do with the workshop is like uh, working with materials like clay or concrete, uh, but when we do them, also we, we are doing production of infrastructure of the space. So in that sense, also like we try to make it sustainable. No? So for example, with Javier Bravo Rueda, uh, who is like an amazing Peruvian artist, mainly working with clay painting and clothes, uh, we did a series of uh, caps and bowls uh, in the workshop, and those are the ones when we have events related with boots, uh, we use them, what we produce with him, or we did also with planting concrete with these, these uh, planters here, so we also use them. So that that is important for us, like uh, like thinking about the material aspect of the institutional making, like an ongoing uh, common space of different voices. Also, that, like uh, we don't do exhibitions, we were not doing exhibitions, but now, but uh, when we invite uh, when we were inviting the artists with the interventions. Uh, they would uh, do like something like it's an artwork, but also it's, it has a function. So, for example, this is an install fountain that's kind of cohesive piece. Uh, like there is like a table by this ground, the lamp is by Joseph Mino, and these are all artworks uh, that they compose uh, like this kind of collective uh, sculpture. So, to say that it's also never finished. So like uh, this kind of sculpture is currently changing when we have encounters because someone brings something temporarily, you know, so, so like also we are very much in this material aspect of the infrastructure of the institution and how we can make it happen through the artworks themselves. So now with the corona we have to change this because like the, most of the program was based on the encounter so we would have like from 5 to 40 people here depending on the, on the encounter. And then we initiated a program uh, three months ago of exhibitions. So, like the exhibition for us is important now because it's like a device that allows like to have just two, three people at a time, you know, and still be very. So it can be expanded in time. So it's still like similar to the encounter, but uh, with the materiality of the exhibition, we can uh, produce this idea of the encounter in a longer time and keep the space running. And uh, this uh, program of exhibition, actually, it's uh, something that we've been working a lot uh, with, that is this idea of domesticity. And uh, we, we took the, the work of Mille Lider Manoukeles. Uh, she, she did this uh, manifesto care, uh, manifesto fun exhibition care, uh, maintenance. No? Uh, so this maintenance uh, idea that she was talking about, uh, it's very inspiring for us. Like we've been working with, uh, with those ideas since the beginning, how uh, domesticity and uh, labor and so on could be potentially with all these problems as well, because it's like a very uh, problematic uh, element. Uh, it could be also the basis for rethinking institutional making. We were, we were actually already planning a reader on the topic before the pandemic happened, uh, but then we thought actually let's uh, transform it also in a program of exhibition so the different people we invite them for the exhibition program. Uh, in one way or another, they relate uh, to this idea of uh, domesticity, private sphere, uh, reproductive labor, and so on. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can also talk about this upcoming exhibition of Monigola. 
Um, could you please explain in general uh, what is your practice and how your artistic research is shaped? No pressure. <laughs> like, what a question. <laughs> um, I guess I can first start off with the mediums that I use. I don't know why that always seems to be like the easiest place to start. I guess because the mediums that we use are like vehicles to kind of transmute meaning. But I work primarily in performance and video and painting and writing and uh, I mean the list goes on. Um, but I find that the, the topics that I'm always thinking about kind of depend on like what I have access to at that, at that time. When I first moved to Berlin two years ago, I didn't have um, any access to space. I didn't have a studio. I didn't have, um, yeah, I was just trying to figure out what was going on basically in my life. And that was where I kind of entered into performance. When I think about performance in particular, I feel like you're in this space where you are trying to be as honest as possible. Like you're, you're trying to kind of enter this space where you can act from a place of heightened presence and kind of fully embody whatever it is that you're trying to, to be in that moment. But you're also simultaneously having to deal with the desires of other people and the, the, the gaze of other people. And you're in this space where, yeah, there's this relationship. And I feel like that's something that I'm always thinking about in terms of how I exist and move throughout the world is how do you act from a space that it, that feels honest, but that is also kind of mediating the desires of external forces and systems. And I think in particular with this exhibition, I'm already finding that, you know, it, the, the exhibition itself is like a process-based exhibition. So over the, the, the span of the two months the show's up, or one and a half months the show's up, um, people will be able to come in a few days a week, most likely when I'm not here, but they'll see the exhibition changing over time as I begin to work through different ideas and um, kind of realize different works. But yeah, I would say that I'm always just kind of thinking about like what there, I feel like there are just so many constructed realities and systems that we're always trying to respond to and make sense of and that we're also complicit in. So I feel like those are the, the main questions that I, I'm always having in the work. I'm gonna pause there. I, questions help, yeah. So the upcoming exhibition is called Evil Intuition. In the press release of On Tears website, it says that it's actually part of a larger project uh, for the Deutsche Technik Museum yes. um, called Weibor Dust. So what is this Weibor Dust about? So basically, when I first moved to Berlin, I was doing, I was working with Savvy Contemporary, and our projects, not even a project space at this point. I mean, it's. They started as a small project. Exactly, like a, and now it's like, I don't know if you saw the new photos of the space, the new space, but it's just like, oh my god. But anyway, I I started working in this space, and I entered into this space through an archive on German colonial history, and I come from an American background, so I think it was interesting for me to kind of enter into this new country and um, trying to kind of make sense of the experience, the experiences of people that looked like me, but also coming from this like different like national like context and 
just like trying to basically inform myself about what happened here and how racism and colonialism mutates differently here versus in America. Uh, even when I moved from here to America, that was something that I was thinking about, like what does it mean to kind of understand these systems outside of like the space that you were born into. And so yeah, I did um, some projects in that archive and then uh, I a person from the, the museum reached out um, who had seen my art, some of my paintings, and invited me into this project. And the first time I saw the installation that exists in the shipping and navigation department of the museum, like you, you hear about it and it's, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, you think it can't be as bad as it is said to be. Uh, like you think that you're preparing and then you, it's, once you prepare, it's okay. But the first time that I stepped into the installation and I saw it, it was extremely shocking. And it was, it's basically this cage that has about 82 figurines of what are trying to depict African people in this um, cargo metaphor. And it was designed by this German sculptor in the 90s. And it's been in the museum for uh, 17 years, open to the public. And initially when I joined that project, it was, we were just gonna take it down. It wasn't going to be like an out, outward facing event. And um, we, me along with Philip Kojometz, who's a Ghanaian German artist, sculptor, who works focusedly on German colonial history, um, was on this project and Decolonize Berlin is the other project partner. And there are a wider collective of individuals who are um, trying to figure out ways to catalyze the decolonization process within institutions. So we were just thinking about like going on research trips, going to Nigeria, where I'm from, going to Ghana, where Philip is from, having interviews, not really trying to focus on, because I'm not a historian, you know, like I can't pretend to like have all of the answers and um, facts about, you know, this, this topic, but Anyway, so then we like applied for funding and they didn't get the funding for this larger project. Although I think that they are still trying to figure out ways to make it happen. And as an aside, I will say that I, I do think it's really interesting that uh, the museum is very openly being, um, allowing itself to be critiqued to this like level because um, I'm not shy basically about how um, absurd I think it is that it existed for so long. But then uh, we decided to apply for another project to kind of do this performative intervention of the deconstruction of this installation. And it's so difficult because the figures themselves are just so problematic. And I, this word problematic, we're hearing it all the time, but they're just problematic. And I think primarily because it kind of, for me, it shows the dangers of artistic interpretation when it comes to historical events that involve real people and real bodies. And, in this cage, it's, it's showing people in, like, they have these, like, smiles on their faces and, like, they're on the floor and, like, they're kids and they're just hanging out as if that's, like, what the actual interior of a hold ship looked like without the feces and the blood and the dead bodies and the being, like, this is not, and I don't think that that should also be in the museum either, you know, I don't think that there should be, like, an exact replica of the inside of a slave ship in this museum, especially that's for children. Um, so it was just all very difficult and I think for me it was a time where I was just like I felt like the museum was trying to find a way to contextualize this uh, history 
but through an empathy that wasn't appropriate. Like people shouldn't have to be able to step into this ship in order to understand that what what happened was wrong. Um, I shouldn't have to put on like, I heard that they're doing like VR headsets with like going into refugee camps. They're trying to like create, not the museum, but just like people are trying to like figure out ways to like, you know, catalyze empathy. And like, I don't think that people should have to like be in this situation, which is not possible unless you're in it actually to, to feel called to act or feel responsible. But basically, we were having so many meetings and conversations about like what to do about these figurines. We initially were like, maybe we'll just you know have a burial and or have like a group cremation, all these ideas. But then I realized that I don't want to like elevate the the figures to the space of like treating them like they're humans because they're not. They're styrofoam and they were constructed by a person that didn't know what he was talking about, frankly. And so I, I kind of had to like take a few steps back and the first time I saw the installation we couldn't actually go inside so when you walk in it's like in this box that is also parallel to like another box that, but that shows the interior of like a nice cruise ship where the white patrons went and their pillows and nice paintings and then on the other side in the exact, in the exact same uh, dimensions is this ship, this slave ship installation. But you click a button and then lights show. So in there behind a, a cage, you can't actually go inside. But when I was able to finally go inside of the installation and actually be there, I saw that it was like covered in dust. And I was kind of confused as to like why there was all this dust there. Um, and then I realized that, you know, people haven't been like really entering into the space so much, but like the wind currents are still carrying the dead skin and like the particles and the soil, all of these things that are coming from the people that enter into this museum are somehow still like landing in this space. And so I felt like that would, to me, it was already just like interesting to think about kind of like dust collecting for 17 years on these sculptures. And um, so for the, for the, the performance, I mean, it's still changing a little bit. I work really improvisationally, so I imagine that there will be the things that happen that just whatever. Um, but the main goal is to like collect all of the dust that's in the space, basically. So it'll be like a one to two hour performance. I don't know, it's gonna be live streamed and they're going to release that link soon and I'll send it to you. Unfortunately, people can't enter, like be a part of the physical but honestly, I'm a bit relieved because it's not an easy project to be asked to do, to be honest. It's been very difficult on like so many different fronts about how it's framed, how it's contextualized. So a part of me has some relief to kind of feel like I'm actually in this private space. I mean, there will be cameras and stuff, but still a bit more private and just having this time to collect this dust. And then I, I don't know exactly what I plan to do with the dust. I know that I'll bring it to tear and... I may, I, I've had ideas to like make pigments out of it, or to like try to find a way to use it as a material. And then like in the future, we, I don't have, I don't like this idea of like the, the figurines just like going into another storage container and just sitting there or being thrown out. It would be like a longer term project, but I, I have this like vision of them all like being like melted back down into this like other material and then being able to use it in that way. I just don't think that their image should be circulated anymore. I think that we're past that as a society. But yeah, I think in this project, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about 
what where you can find something generative out of like really unfortunate and painful circumstances which I think is like the essential point of all of the work that I make is always trying to find um, these like ruptures and holes in these systems and all of this discomfort and conflict and then trying to find a way to like rearrange or sometimes even just abandon entirely and create something new from these um, things. Um, so yeah, that's what the, that's the project. I'm also working on other projects. Basically I'm having another um, exhibition in November at Gallery Mutem. It's a solo exhibition that will not be a process-based exhibition like this one. So there will be some works that are made during this exhibition that'll be in the other exhibition, but I'm not gonna talk about it so much because that's like an entire other interview, to be honest. Yeah, I'll be making just different works in the space during this time. But just, just I want to just be able to use the space and to make work. And this is the first time in the, since I've moved to Berlin that I've actually had a space to just make the work, to be honest, which is um, both terrifying and also like deeply gratifying because it's really been a long time that I've been really wanting and needing a space. And I really like working with Benjamin and Lorenzo. Like it's really chill and yeah, like I feel like very comfortable to, to work and to have conversations with them and other friends and everyone. Um, and then I'll just like say in closing that Eve of Intuition, the title is kind of, I just wanna make it clear that I don't feel like I have the answers to like the questions that I'm asking in the exhibition. I'm thinking about intuition as, we think of intuition as something that is um, born with us or it's passed on from our ancestors or it's always with us, it's always been with us. But if we're also like being born into like really problematic violent systems or if you're dealing with abuse or neglect or any other number of traumas that are constantly being afflicted onto the to the human body and psyche um, it's like where do you what 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 does your intuition become or how is it corrupted how is it compromised what how what does it mean to like have this these feelings that are bringing you to these places that are not good for you but they feel familiar or they feel right and so for me, like, this is um, the main question that I'm asking myself as I make the work, like, what, just also just how I work, too, and how I want to contextualize, like, or if I want to contextualize the work at all. But yeah, that's, that's the, the, the main, like, focus of the, of the exhibition, is just asking these questions of myself and trying to, like, really kind of figure out boundaries and figuring out ways to, like, protect that space of making that's really... It's a very vulnerable space and it's not a space that you can always get to easily. And so yeah, that's like the, the question that I'm gonna continue to ask myself throughout um, these next months. And when we were talking earlier before about writing and speaking, I just it just occurred to me that, you know, for the longest time up until even, maybe even like a few days ago, I always thought that, you know, my job as an artist is to like find a way to translate like abstract conceptual concepts or emotional concepts into like phys like visual form and now i'm beginning to realize that you know the things that you're thinking about and talking about can just like imbue the work or just like be next to it and there there doesn't always have to be this like very clear through line from one to the other and i feel like in this space where i'm good at explaining myself and my work but also tired of it like that's something that I'm interested in like experimenting with is like just kind of making things and then 
hey, like that, it, 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 it exists now. And then also, these are the things that I think about when I go to sleep at night. I think there is something quite interesting there that is um, like thinking about the artwork, not, not uh, as the final thing, but it's as part of the, a more complex constellation of elements. And one of them is like also like the conversations that happen from or around or about the artwork. So I'd say the artwork is one piece of bigger machinery. Yeah. I totally agree. Also because it's changed a lot of the conception when you think about the final product that is cut and ready to go. I think kind of problematic because it's refer like a market economy. Thank you. And this is something mm -hmm. that I'm like actively, again, I know that I'm complicit in these systems in certain ways, but in the work itself, that's something that I am like actively uh, trying to like resist in some ways, like not always feeling like I painted, I paint and I went to school for painting in high school, especially, and I learned how to paint realistically. And it's still this thing where I'm like, you don't have to like paint in this way to like be recognized as an artist, but I also know that it's like no, but you you're gonna paint though. It's like this weird because in like painting is like this very like commodifiable like it's there. It's easy to, to put on the wall, pretty cool, a thousand euros. You know, it's like very quick, and I think that there is space for that in my practice. Um, but I think that the painting will always be like in the mix of other types of ways of making and collaborating that aren't so clearly able to like put a bow on it and tie it and give it to a person. So the opening will be on the 28th of August, right? August 29th. 29th. On Saturday. Okay. We changed the name of opening for commencement. Uh, like school. The, <laughs> the structure also because, I mean, we can't with uh, regulations and also because we want to create a safer space. So we can't have more than 10 people at the time in the space. So like, we have, uh, as mostly everyone are doing, like we have like this, uh, instead of starting at seven, we start earlier, in at four. Yeah, and then like, the people can push a spot and come in by small groups. So in that way, we make sure like uh, we can have like some, some safe space, which uh, like right now it's, uh, I think, quite important to think about those things. So that's why also like structurally, we thought uh, instead of like opening and finish us, it's uh, we are calling it uh, commencement and, and closing. Closing? Okay, yeah. got it. <laughs> yes, uh, that just uh, happens to be on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what is the listing hours? It's uh, Thursday, Saturday, uh, Fridays and Saturdays from 2 till 6. Uh, but also people can write to us in the email if they can't come those days and we try to arrange uh, also it's by appointment as well. Also, the performance at the Technique Museum is on August 23rd and it will start at, I think, about 11 a.m. and they're gonna like release the Facebook event and and then my show at Gallery Interim opens on November 12th. It's never, November feels very far, but actually not far at all now. Not at all. But yeah, so... November 12th? November 12th on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Really? I have my solo, my solo solo move the other day. Do you want to plug it? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh my god. Where? Um, in Teatro Barraga. So I've been working since a few years with this project called Shadow Writing, uh, which is like, uh, it's made with many different chapters. And it's about uh, questioning the genealogy uh, and the relationship uh, between image production photography 
the history of computation and, and textile fabrication. So in each chapter I explore different themes uh, related to that project, like history of anarchism in Spain, Muslim origin of the word algorithm, uh, like the history of Kipus, that it was like a binary recording system made with knots uh, by the Incas, uh, yeah, many other parts. So it's the first time I'm gonna put uh, different chapters together, uh, together with Emmanuel uh, Willis, he's the curator, and it's like my my like biggest so few days. So it's like first institutional solo. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for your time and then good luck with the performance at Project Mm -hmm. Museum. Thank Um, you. uh, And then looking forward to see how it's going to evolve in this six week or maybe two month long uh, process based exhibition. Art Next Door. Prepared by Tucha Era. Art Next Door is a bi-weekly radio show on Keith FM.